Thank you for joining me for another Quick Hits Conversation. This is the second of two about manipulation. With me today, I have Stuart Wiggins with Induna Advisors, where he offers fractional chief operating officer services and brings resources together to help scale your business. I have Tim Hawks. He's the managing director of Unlimited Potential, where he is a mental engineer and executive coach focusing on logical and practical solutions to challenging problems. And I have Dr. Hannah Hartwell. She is multilingual with 15 years in leadership, change management, and learning and development. Following on our previous conversation, the question I have for you, how do you know if you're being manipulated? I do a lot of work with clients, a lot of one-to-one -one work, associates at executive level and things like that. And we talk an awful lot about people's resilience being down, suffering from anxiety, things like that. And often these types of uh, emotional states reside in a place in their body. So you might say to them, oh, um, you know, where... Where do you feel your anxiety? It might be in their heart, head, it might be in their shoulders or whatever. And there's a place for it. But there's a feeling associated with that place as well. So it might be tension. It might be uh, anything else. It might be a headache or something like that. So for me, manipulation is, is individual to everybody. So my reaction to a manipulation might be different to yours. And I would identify it by working on the feeling that it makes me have when I'm experiencing mm -hmm. it. Now, I appreciate this is a hindsight thing because if it's happening and you haven't done that analysis, you don't know. But what I think you should do is start working on, or one should start looking at, what are the feelings I have when somebody comes and tells me, oh, I'll put that in the bin, will you? Well, I don't really want to, but I'll do it anyway. Do I feel deflated or do I feel like I've done a good thing? And then just some very hypercritical analysis will tell me, actually, that was a negative experience for me. And so therefore, I could associate it with manipulation. Is there a degrees of, you know, you're going to get manipulated, but is there degrees of which you allow yourself to be manipulated to get something, to get a piece of what you want? And again, I, I, and I'll go back to buying a car. You know, you are going to get manipulated, but in your mind, you know what price you're willing to walk off the lot with or not walk off the lot at all. Can you go into this and say, I know they're gonna get me. This is what I'm willing to take. And it's any negotiation really. I know what I'm willing to take and I can put the brakes on at any point and say, I'm done being manipulated because I'm not satisfied with the result here. Hmm. Well, I think that's a massive point Stuart is about putting the brakes on. And the key is knowing. If you know you're being manipulated, if we all knew life would be brilliant, wouldn't it? We would just put the hand up and say, stop, no, I'm not having this. But we don't. We end up continuing. And that's how domestic violence happens. It's just a slow build up and then becomes, you know, you allow things to happen and then they get bigger because they're allowed to happen. Um, I'm not saying that it's the victim's fault, but what I'm saying is that, you know, in that environment, if we know that we're the manipulation and we can put a stop to it and we have the strength to do that, that's amazing and that's great. But we don't know we're being manipulated until we're well into it uh possibly and then we've got a problem of how do we get out how do we feel about it we, you know maybe our resilience is down if it's a long-term thing see i think the idea of going to to a car dealership i go in there with my eyes open manipulate away that's very interesting what what we're all saying but i still go back to the thought of harm manipulation to me means causing some kind of harm but in terms of Stuart, what you were mentioning negotiating a car i don't think negotiation is always manipulation. 
because mm -hmm. with negotiation, both parties could mutually benefit. And I love what Tim said about you can feel it. And having been married to a narcissist in the past, I have very strong spidey senses about being manipulated. And I am really quick to pull the plug and be like, nope, hard boundary, not playing that game with you. And I will very quickly, especially in car dealerships, jewelry stores, anything like that, where they're like trying to manipulate you into whatever. Nope, I'm out. Well, maybe we should ask your partner what they think about the jewellery or the windows that you're buying or the car or whatever it might be. Hang on a minute. No, I'm here making the decisions. Thank you very much. And I um, do a lot of things I let Russ handle because he's much more tolerant of that kind of engagement than I am. I have no tolerance for it. So I, I want to introduce something. Hannah's absolutely right. Harm is the key here. And in, in our part one of this discussion about manipulation, we talked about harmful influence, which I thought was a brilliant sort of description. I'd like to introduce a term here, which I think is micro harm. There's one manipulation where somebody just tries to make you do something, I don't know, strong armed you or whatever. There's another one where it takes place over 12 months. That's the, what I'm interested in. And, you know, micro harm is where you, you end up sort of, you know, why didn't you close the door? Oh, I'm oh, sorry, I'll close the door. Sorry. And you don't think much of it, you shut the door, but you, perhaps you didn't want to, you know, you've been made to something. Then the next thing you know, there's a, um, put the dinner on, uh, oh, all right, I'll put the dinner on. Okay, you know that's what we do. You know? And they put the dinner on, and then and then twelve months later, you know all these little micro harms have occurred, and you're in a whole place of mm -hmm. your tank's empty, you're you're flat, you're, you're depressive, life's tough, and it's, mm -hmm. it's just a hard slog. Um, and I think micro harms are a lot harder to identify. Actually, I would almost call that grooming. It yeah. is grooming. It absolutely grooming is, is grooming. Gro yes, yeah. mm -hmm. because it's harmful. Indeed. Back to the original question, how do you know? How do you notice it? If you don't have the huge boundaries that I do from having been gone through it a million times, how do you notice it? But Tim's right. It's those little micro, 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 micro. You don't know it along the way. And then you may reach a point where you're too far in to even put your hand up and say, I got to stop. It only takes the strongest person to be able to say, you have to stop. Mm -hmm. So you could be, you could literally be, be manipulated and not realize it until it's too late. Because your boundary is here and someone does something here and you're just like, all right, fine. And you move your boundary and then it's here. And then it's, and, and all of a sudden you're way over here and you're like, hold on. And you want to push it all the way back here. And that person's like, wait, you're a different person. No, I am this person. And this is where the line used to be. And welcome to a capitalist Western world. But is it too late to pull the line back? No, but you have to be really harsh. You have to be really like. You have to be, because once you establish a new boundary, that's the boundary. I know this for a fact. I had it happen to me when I used to be dating is that, oh, I don't like it when you wear red lipstick. Okay, that's not a big deal. Oh, I don't like it when you wear short skirts. Okay, that's not a huge deal. And it's all these tiny little things. And then all of a sudden, eight months later, you're like, hold on. I don't even recognize myself anymore. This is not who I am. And then the guy's like, oh, but I'm in love with you. No, you're in love with the person you created who's not me. But the other thing is, isn't there? I mean, it's understandable. If they don't like red lipstick, fair enough. Red's not their color. I completely get that. And I want to help you and support you. So, so yeah. I'm willingly being manipulated into this environment. And then, of course, there's another thing. And the next thing you know, you're in the bathroom panicking because you just don't know which lipstick to put on. Or, and then suddenly it's all got all a bit unpleasant. And there's a there's a toxicity to niceness. And, uh, and I think that's exactly mm -hmm. what that is. And I wonder whether there's a piece in there about manipulation knowing it but also the the level of niceness manipulation but, versus compromise you've got exactly mm -hmm. that yeah and and as you say your view on it robin is just be harsh 
you know, people might view like, view you and go, oh, she's a bit offish, you know. Others might see it as being strong. And it, for me, harsh is the way forward. I'm the same. Uh, mm. You know, if I get a hint of it, I'm I'm all stopping out. Mm -hmm. um, but but a lot of people, in my experience, working with individuals, they don't see it because they're still in the toxic niceness. I think it's also really important, Dr. Robin, you asked about how do you stop the manipulation from happening. It's really important to reflect on a conversation, think about how you feel about it, think about how you think about it. That's another factor. And in terms of the lipstick situation, initially, maybe you didn't like that color either. So it might not necessarily be manipulation. Did it really cause harm? Mm -hmm. And what would the future look like as well? And I think you can say to yourself, do I feel fulfilled, whole and in flow? And if you don't, then look for the manipulation. And then be willing to stand up for yourself. I think that's the hard part. That's, that's the part where people are like, oh, Robin, you're so harsh, but you have to be willing to stand up for yourself. If you're not willing to say, I'm not okay with this, maybe the other person doesn't even realize they're manipulating you or changing you. So you're dating someone and they say no red lipstick. But then you're married for some, to someone for five years and you, they say, that color is not really good for you. Is that just good criticism or is that manipulation? Because now they're your partner. Depends how it's followed up and what requirements are made of you. I mean, if they just make the mm -hmm. comment, see, I like wearing ties. I like wearing a tie. No one wears a tie anymore. I got told off once for wearing a tie in a creative agency. I said, we don't wear ties around here. And I was like, I'm sorry, I just love wearing a tie. And mm -hmm. I... And I was quite comfortable with that. They could have told me not to. Sorry, I do. That's me. And um, there's a difference between someone saying, I'm not super comfortable with this. I prefer if you didn't. And someone saying, thou shalt not. One's a conversation and the other one is a hard line in the sand. And I think that for me is what makes the difference is if you're willing to have a conversation with me, you know, hey, I don't know. I don't love this red lipstick. I'm not sure it's a great color for you, but if you want to wear it, hey, it's all on you. That's one thing. Saying, I don't like red lipstick, don't ever wear it. That's a different thing. That could be very harmful. Well, that is our 10 minutes. I think manipulation is such a challenging topic, which is why we've had two quick hits in a row about it. Thank you for doing it with me. I appreciate it. And I look forward to speaking to each of you again really soon.